What's going on, everyone? This is scriptwriter Steve. Today is November 28th, and I hope you're all having a great day. You know, um, it is 12.22 a.m. right now, so this podcast is actually for November 27th. So just in case you're listening it for November 28th, the headlines I read to you may just be a little off. They're going to be a little bit late. But anyway, I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Um, I hope no one narked on you if you actually had, you know, you broke quarantine rules. Um, Here in Hawaii, I'm not sure what they are, but they told us not to actually, you know, spend time with other family members or they had some type of limit on there. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but I I saw everyone just getting, you know, my own, my whole neighborhood had people over and uh, we went over to my grandmother's house. We didn't have my aunts or uncles there, just myself, my mom, my father. I'm the only child, by the way. And then my aunt and my grandmother, mother there. So uh, it was good. It was good, you know, and uh, we don't know how much longer we have with my grandmother. And again, like I told you, she has Alzheimer's and um, so it was good, you know, so we try to soak in every single time, you know, that we, uh, every, every single second that we have with her. So anyway, today, um, I am going to talk a little politics and I'm going to talk barbecue and then I am going to talk movies. I'm going to break it up into three segments here and, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, you'll stay on to the very end. I'll try to keep it very exciting. And, uh, so we'll start with my sponsors right here. So I'll catch you in a little. So we're back, and uh, now we're going to talk a little bit about politics, because on Black Friday, some very interesting news came out. So uh, I'm going to start off with just reading the headlines I got here on my webpage here. So Senator Cotton, he said that Biden's Department of Homeland Security nominee actually sold green cards to Chinese nationals and should be disqualified. So if that's true, and, uh, you know, Senator Cotton, he's actually a man of his word, um, <laughs> that's kind of a conflict of interest there. I mean, who in the world is selling green cards? I, I didn't even know you could do that. But, Matt, if he actually did do that, you know, he should go to jail. He shouldn't be there. You know, I'm not sure, you know, this entire, like, whatever Biden, you know, his entire cabinet he's putting there through, it's, uh, it's not really... You know, it's the, the people who are in their positions aren't really qualified to be there. Uh, you know, for example, you have John Kerry, who has who, who knows nothing about climate change or knows, knows nothing about climate period or environmental science or anything, and he's going to head up climate science or, or he's going to save the world. Because remember, you know, climate change, according to the liberals, that's an existential threat. And again, John Kerry is going to be the one, you know, again, saving us from this existential threat, the one that's supposed to, if we don't do anything, you know, according to AOC, Hawaii and Florida and New York City is all going to be underwater, right? So, you know, thank God John Kerry is there to save the day. That just doesn't make any sense to me. doesn't make any sense to, to you. Oh, man. I don't, I have no idea. I hope Biden doesn't get in. Oh my God. It's just going to be horrible. And, uh, you know, on top of that, I've heard that Biden, he wants to, 
he wants us to be carbon neutral by you know a certain you know unrealistic date, which means you know that we'll have to become fossil fuel, I guess, undependent or in, not independent, but you know we have to break our our uh, our use of fossil fuel, which basically powers everything. I'm not sure how you're going to run mining machines. I'm not sure how how you're going to run the generators to charge the Tesla cars. You're not everything can actually be solar powered or wind powered. Um, <laughs> not everyone can afford a Tesla. Those are very very expensive cars. And you know I'm going to get into climate change later, and I want to get into um, the the whole the whole theory of green energy. You know, it's nice to think of, but we're really not there yet. And, uh, you know, I've talked to a handful of people. They educated me on this, uh, and they work in the energy industry. And, um, and I'm going to compile all this information, and in a later episode, in a very soon episode, I'm going to cover all of this on why it doesn't work, why solar panels don't work, why, um, why the paybacks, when you have a solar panel on top of your roof and they say you're you know, putting energy back into the grid, why that is an entire huge lie. Huge, 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 huge lie. And, uh, you know, just for the thought that how, how wind energy is actually usable, eh, that's really iffy. You, can, you know, that's, that's not, you know, it's, it's, you can really throw that up in the air because on, on one hand it can be, on one hand it can't, it can't be. And, um, and, and uh, you know, maybe I can get an expert on too. There, there's people who are just really, really good at talking about this better than I am, but I'm still trying to find out. I don't even have a professional recording device, to be honest. Again, this is going on off my cell phone. This is only my sixth episode on podcasting, and I'm hoping doing a good job. So next news, next news here. Um, let's see here. Kumo, Governor Andrew Kumo, um, his ex-aide just rips him, and he says, the collapse of, I know it's a she, uh, the collapse of the Kumo sexual. Apparently, Governor Andrew Kumo is a butthead. He is just, you know, he is rude to women. He is rude to men. He is just full of himself. And he's just out there, you know, just, again, you know, trying to advertise his book that he read and, I mean, book that he wrote. And, you, you know, he actually won an Emmy for his responses to the COVID um, coronavirus, an Emmy, as though those press conferences are supposed to be, um, I guess, I guess you can nominate a press conference and win an Emmy. That is just crazy. Like a press conference for a for a virus, you can win an Emmy for that. I think that's just ludicrous. You know, they're giving out Emmys to every single thing out there nowadays. I, I, I really don't even care for that award. I, most awards are just a bunch of baloney, too. It's almost like the best movie of the year award, the Oscars. You know, it goes to the movie that no one watches. Like, you know, you know all these nominees, you know, the best movie of the year comes out, and you're like, who are the, who the hell are these other, other, like, movies out there? I've never seen them before. And they're made from some independent, you know, thing that, you know, has, like, just a crazy plot line to it. You know, usually where the, the protagonist kills himself in the end or something like that. Or, um, but, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just weird. You know, Andrew Kumo, his ex-aide doesn't like him. And here's this, here's this guy actually getting uh, an Emmy for that, for his response to, to the coronavirus. When he didn't do that great a job, how can he get a book deal? 
how can he get a book deal if he is personally responsible for pushing infected patients into the, the, the nursing homes? I mean, just alone, I think he killed, I think, around 15, what, 30,000 30, people? Like, almost like one-third or half of the people who died in New York um, City was because of him, because he put, you know, again, you know, infected people into elderly care homes who are the most vulnerable. And he's not getting... And then, you know, I think Michigan did that, New Jersey did that, and all of these other home, all of these other governors did that, including Hawaii. And now they're, they blamed President Trump for those death rates. You know, if those governors would have done a good job and not put elderly people into those care homes, that death rate would probably be cut in half. And if hospitals would actually classify COVID deaths, you know, properly. Like, for example, if they're actually dying from COVID because of COVID, not with COVID, then you probably have a lot less deaths. But again, all of this was for, you know, partly was for money. Part of it was for PR. A lot of it was to actually point the finger at Donald Trump to get him out of office. You know, again, you know, everyone has an agenda. And their agenda is anti-Trump. There's very few of us. Well, not too few of us. There's 74 million people uh, like us, like-minded, who actually like Trump. Okay, so on to the next thing. You know, uh, oh, by the way, Saturday, I think Trump, I think that will be today. I think actually Trump is having a mega rally. Not for himself, but I believe for... Um, I guess for the for the people running there, the 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 two senators for the runoff there, and uh, oh boy, I don't know about that. I mean, I I think Trump's you know presence there would 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 take them to victory, but they have to fix their voting their voting um, machines and everything there because it does not look good as far as election integrity, um, and uh, yeah. So those are some headlines I wanted to talk to you about right now. Um, but, you know, I want to try to, like, uh, I'm going to jump over to something here. Um, you know, I was, uh, I was listening to another podcast. Uh, it was an anti-Trump podcast, you know, given by these, like, three uh, writers. Uh, I think some of them are from, not even from our country, but they live here. And I tell you what, they, they do not respect the Trump supporter. They do not respect Donald Trump. Um, now I can always say we can disagree with their policy because, you know, you know, for me, if Joe Biden is the president and he won this square and fair, and what do we say he did? Maybe he said he, he even, he even, you know, cheats, but and he becomes the president. We still have to treat that office and that person with the respect because he is the president, even if he, he didn't. He didn't win properly and all that. We just have to respect the office, but we can still be very skeptical of who he is and very critical of his policies. But these reporters, they are, they really think that Trump supporters are paranoid, that are completely crazy. And they compare us. It's really interesting because they're not using, like how, what I use, like say, for example, I use the, you know, the Enneagram, you know, personality things where I study, you know, personality behaviors or anything. They're, they're comparing us to certain caricatures in movies, which I didn't really hear from because I don't, you know, I'm not a really, a, even though I'm in, I'm in that industry, I don't 
know you know a lot of these old movies and caricatures you know so these, these characters i just don't know them very very well but they're out there just comparing us to all these, these cartoon characters and um it, it's it, they're it's very shallow and everything they say they're saying that dead there's no proof that dead people actually vote in the in, in elections well it's 100 percent true i mean will smith's you know grandfather you know likes to vote and he said, there's no proof of any voter fraud at all, 100% zero. Well, I know personally people who have actually voted, who wanted to vote and couldn't. You know, I told you that story in the last episode. So, you know, there's proof out there. And I know for a fact that these things, that these voter fraud incidents are not there just to affect one vote or to discredit one vote. So, for example, the one per, the two people who I know who couldn't vote because they actually you know, someone else actually voted for them. It just didn't happen to those two people. You know, in order for voter fraud to work, it has to happen on a massive scale. So then that's why you have all of these people who have affidavits who showed up on the other day and said, hey, you know, we were told that we already voted, but we didn't. We didn't. So, you know, again, the, these other podcasters, and there's so many of them on here, there's so many, like anti-Trump podcasters, and they're all by reputable, not reputable, let's take that word off. They're all by professional reporters. And I put professional in quotes because they're, they're the furthest thing from professional. Furthest. Furthest. So anyway, I just had to get that off my chest here. You know, uh, don't listen to them. Listen to me. I'm not professional like they are. But I'm a lot more accurate. All right. So we're going to go over to all our, all, of our, all of our swing states and get you updated really, really quick. Um, in Wisconsin, Milwaukee is um, finishing up their, uh, their counts over there. And guess what? They're finding that Biden is increasing his lead slightly. So the Trump campaign had actually paid them $3 million to recount certain counties. And they found more votes for Biden and less for Trump. Isn't that a surprise? Isn't that a really, really a big surprise? But um, over in Michigan, now Michigan's a very interesting place because this is where this is where Sidney Powell released one of her cracking lawsuits, and um, in one of her lawsuits, now she has affidavits, right? Affidavits are actually that's actually evidence, right? That's hundred percent evidence. So I'm going to read this for you. Hold on a second. Let me scroll my screen here. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So it shows here digital forensic analysis shows Dominion. Oh, hold on. Digital forensic analysis shows Dominion server connected to Iran and China. What? So Dominion servers over there in Michigan were connected to Iran and China. All right. So her first paragraph here, a digital forensic analysis by a former military intelligence analyst whose name was redacted in an affidavit accompanying attorney Sidney Powell's lawsuit against Michigan officials claims to present unambiguous evidence that Dominion voter servers were accessible to an end and certainly compromised by rogue actors such as Iran and China. Wow. So she actually has proof of this through this affidavit by someone who's in military intelligence. That's pretty damning right there. And if that's true, and if all of this, this you know, pans out, 
that is uh, something else. Now, there's a reason why Eliz- there is a reason why Elizabeth Warren didn't want these machines. You know, she, you know, in her state, Elizabeth Warren, a Democrat. You know, there's four other Democrats. I forgot who they were, but they were against Dominion, and in many other states, they did not want Dominion in there. Texas specifically, they said they were they could be compromised. And there are actually YouTube videos where, where people are hacking these Dominion machines right there before the election. They could do it so easily. They could do it within minutes. And, um, you know, when, when I was talking to some programmers, they were, they were telling me that, you know, hacking, you know, you know creating a software for, um, I guess, creating a software like, like a, a voting counting software is not very difficult at all. I mean, it's very easy to make it very secure in a way um, because all it is is like the digital odometer on top of your your car. So, for example, it can only go one way. It can only go up where one mile would equal one mile. And um, so that would mean, and it's then it's also very hard to change. Now, even the digital odometers can be manipulated. They definitely can, but you have to jump through some hoops. You have to know how to program things. It's not that easy to actually do it. You have to have the right equipment to do it. So, but these Dominion, so th- these Dominion company and the software that is in it was actually, they bought the software from companies that were, you know, that, that were associated with Venezuela. And the only reason why you buy these other companies and, and, and uh, associate yourselves with this is because you're using software that that um, you want you want access to their their specific software, which has been used to specifically weight election results. So again, they may not be switching results. I think I talked about this in the last episode. They're not really switching results. They're weighting it. So for example, one vote for Joe Biden will equate out not to one, but one point three four or one point one eight, and one vote for for um, Trump will not equate equal out to one it will equal out maybe to 0.8 or 0.9. So there's always a little lag. And you, you just have to wait it a little. And this algorithm works very, very cleanly where they would not know what would happen, that a person who's auditing it, this, the results from the, from the eye, from looking on the outside, from me looking on the outside, it'll look 100, 100% legit. So this is like, uh, you know, this is... Not honest things. And again, the software, a regular voting software, is very simple to make. To actually, a Scantron software, it's very easy. Very, very, very easy to make. And that's all it is. We've all had Scantron back in school where you color in the little dot. And then we, you, know, you just push it off there. And, uh, and you insert it and you get the results. That software is very easy to create, very easy to actually write. But the very you know, the very complicated software that Dominion uses where you weight averages and where you can change things everywhere, you know, that's very difficult to write, especially when you, um, the, the, the accounting logs, the, the, the logs in there can be manipulated and deleted very, very easily. Um, the logs are basically an edit history of what, what happens. So if you delete something and delete a file or move something, uh, you know, it'll log in that action. It's something like how when you, with Facebook, if you actually put your you write a you write like a status update, and you change it, 
um, people can actually look at previous edits that you've actually put in there. So if you, you know, change a word or change something, they can actually look, look at, you know, your previous edits. So you're, you know, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll say, oh, no, you actually said this last week, you know, and everything like that. You know, I don't know why they have that on there, but apparently in Dominion, you can actually get rid of that edit log, which is makes it very, very suspect. Why are you making that feature even available? Why did you design it like that way? Why do you design it that so, so votes can get weighted, right? So anyway, apparently, uh, again, this digital forensic analysis shows that they were connected to Iran and China. Really? Wow. Okay, so that's over, that's over in Michigan right now. Okay, now in Pennsylvania, um, a judge actually said that Republicans will likely win the Pennsylvania election lawsuit. And the Constitution is actually on our side. Um, they had a law, and I'll, I'll explain this really quick. They had a law in there put in there, I think in 2019, that they, they accepted absentee and mail-in ballots. They had to be counted by, I believe it was 8 p.m. on November 3rd. That was a cutoff date. And any, any mail-in ballot or absentee ballot coming in afterwards, they were automatically disqualified. And they did that on purpose so that you know, you couldn't stuff the mail, the, the, you couldn't stuff the ballot box after. So what happened was that the Supreme Court of Philadelphia came in there and changed the rules. They said you could, um, you, you know, uh, signature matching didn't have to matter. Uh, voter ID didn't have to matter. Um, and then on top of that, they could, you could count into two weeks after the election or like one week or two weeks in there. It was something ludicrous like that. Now, by the Constitution of the United States... You're not supposed to actually, uh, the, the voter um, laws for that state are set by the state legislature, not the Supreme Court. And here it is, the Supreme Court is trying to change things. So right here, 600,000 votes, those are disqualified completely because they, they, that, that came in after. And it's not supposed to be like that. I'm sorry. The Supreme Court is not supposed to change the rules. So if the law is upheld, then 600,000, maybe even 700,000 votes are completely null and void. And if this is like, if we are being constitutional, this is what should happen. You know, there's no paranoia here. There's no conspiracy theory. That's what should happen. All right. Okay. Georgia. Um, there's lawsuits containing 30 allegations. I have no idea what those are. I don't want to get into that. In Nevada, data scientists are saying there's weird spikes in incomplete Nevada voter registration. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. So, you know, there's actually, um, for some reason, there's a lot of people who got absentee ballots who were using casinos as home addresses. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. Why? 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 And in Philadelphia, by the way, was it Philadelphia? You know, Pennsylvania, um, and I think it's Philadelphia. There are a lot, a lot of people using post offices as uh, as home addresses, and uh, that's not legal. So, and I think they're doing that over in Georgia. So um, that's not good. Really, really not good. Okay, in Arizona. In Arizona, let's see here, hold on, scrolling my screen, scrolling my screen, all right. Arizona state legislatures are holding an urgent election integrity hearing with 
Trump's lawyers. Okay, that's cool. That's good. You know, again, Trump has evidence on his side. Don't even think that he is just spewing. His lawyers are just spewing conspiracy theories. He has reputable lawyers on his side. These are extremely good, good lawyers. Um, it's only, you know, the, the Democrats, the liberal media, who are the worst storytellers. I mean, they're not, <laughs> they are the worst storytellers probably in the world because they can't create a convincing lie. You know, again, it's like what I, what I told you before. Like, if the lie is bad, that means most likely you know, what they're saying is completely false. What they're claiming is completely false. When they, when they say Hunter Biden's laptop, well, that was the Russians. Well, that's a bad lie. Huge bad lie. Huge, huge bad lie, right? And what is this? You, you know, I was listening the other day um, to, to uh, another podcast, and um, you know, someone brought up the fact that um, this one thing about um, Pennsylvania um, 2.4 million, million, uh, I know, hold on a second, 1.8 million, 1.8 million absentee ballots and mail-in ballots were mailed out to people randomly. 1.4 million came back. That means in when the election time on November 3rd, they would only expect 400,000 absentee slash mail-in ballots on that day. But on that day, at, at no, hold on, after November 3rd, when the whole election was done counting, after Pennsylvania was done counting, they received over 2.5 million absentee ballots. How is that possible? How is that possible? Now, this fact was brought up on this stupid podcast with stupid reporters, right? And what was their excuse? Well, Joe Biden is just a comeback kid. And they said, should we try to explain it further? And they said, no. He's the comeback kid. There's no need to do it. He came back in every state. That's why he's the comeback kid. We don't have to explain why. He's just a comeback kid. That's it. That's it. That's their excuse. Does that even make any sense? I mean, really. I feel like you're slapping him on the head. Oh, my God. That is just, I don't know. I don't know, man. I almost said, come on, man, just like Joe Biden. Jeez, I'm getting a little heated here, if you noticed. So, uh, huh, okay. Well, that is it. You know, I just took the, the top news. I read the, the Epic Times. I got it from the Tatum Report. Um, these are two really good websites to actually get all your conservative news. Um, you have the TatumReport.com. It's better than the Drudge Report. At one time, the Drudge Report was really great, and then it went completely wacko. I'm not sure what happened. Um, there's all type of theories, like maybe he sold it to China or sold it to the DNC, but it's, it is completely left-wing paranoid now. Um, the EpicTimes.com, uh, it's really good. It leans right. It is conservative, but uh, you'll get more um, information there. They update things by the hour. There, um, the, some of the news that I'm reading is only six hours old, so I think that's pretty amazing. I mean, they're up there; they're working on Black Friday, while all the other, you know, guys are just taking breaks. All right, man. So that is about it for the political news. 
Um, I'm going to take a break here and uh, drink some water, cool myself down, and then uh, I'm gonna, I'll be back, but we're going to talk about barbecue, and then after that segment, we're going to talk about Christmas movies on Netflix, and we're going to put politics to the side, but I'm still going to be very passionate about my barbecue, all right? So I'll talk to you later. Hey, we're all back. Actually, we're is the wrong word. I'm back. Yep, I took my uh, little swig of water there. I think I'll take another one right here. Hold on a second here. Oh, it's good stuff. Got myself one of those hydro flasks. Makes the water super cold. Really, really, really cold. I left this hydro flask on my car. And then um, <laughs> it kind of took off. Left it on the, the trunk and it just kind of took off there. And then uh, and luckily my father... They saw it fly off my the back of my car, so they ended up uh, picking it up. But uh, you know, I, you know, they say Alzheimer's runs in the family for us. So I, mean, I hope that's not true for me. But then, um, yeah, I'm getting a little forgetful right there. All right, so uh, on on Thanksgiving Day, okay, we're going to talk about barbecue. I actually smoked a turkey. Um, this isn't the first time I actually smoked a turkey. I think this is maybe the fourth or fifth time. But every single time I did it before then, the skin would come out really, really um, leathery, um, not even edible. And it was like, you know, it was like eating rubber. I mean, you could like probably use this as rope. <laughs> so so I, I watched a handful of YouTube videos um, and uh, kind of like came up with my own idea of what to do. So what I did is I, t- I took a turkey, I defrosted it, put it into a brine uh, that consisted of rosemary, um, garlic, sugar, um, water, and salt, and I think, and, and some uh, tangerine orange peels, and uh, dried tangerine orange peels. Um, that's a Chinese thing. And then I let it soak. I let it. Um, I put it in this bag there, and then I put it into a cooler, and I brined it for about forty-eight hours. And then on that on uh, Thanksgiving Day, I took it out, and uh, it was a small turkey. It was like I think it was around, I think, I think thirteen or fourteen pounds. It's really tiny. It's a, it's like the runt. They they killed this turkey way too early, but but anyway, they uh, um I, I I put the I put it in the smoker, smoked it all on a uh, all on wood, all on kiave wood, which is a form of mesquite wood. Um, kept the smoke as clean as I could. I started out at two hundred degrees, very very clean smoke. Um, my wood was a little on the wet side cause it rained and got onto there. So, uh, as I tried to get the temperature up to the 325, it did turn a little, a little white, not re- not white, but a little bluish and which is, a, which is okay. And, uh, I got, I got the temperature up to 325, 330 and maintained it there for maybe about two more hours. And the bird cooked really quick, um, between, you know, start and finish, uh, I would baste it with, um, uh, garlic butter, which I had actually purchased at Sam's Club, and I thought that would be a pretty cool thing there. And the theory was that a lot of what I read was that a lot of people are using gar- um, butter. They would, they would actually um, use butter to actually crisp the outside of the, um, the the outside of the skin and to make that bite through turkey skin, which you know, which which I could never achieve. So uh, yeah, like. Um, yeah, when I put the turkey on there, I couldn't really move it left and right, so I could only end up basting one side of it because even though the turkey was small, 
um, the smoker I was using it on this backyard smoker um, didn't I, I couldn't put my hand around the back of it um, so I think next time I'll probably you know want to mount the turkey on some type of little swivel thing um, that would uh, that I'll have to probably configure if I want to you know get basted on all sides but uh it didn't take too long to cook. Um, I would say maybe close to three hours, if if maybe less. Um, and it was it did stall. Um, for those of you who have never barbecued before, when you barbecue meat, meat actually stalls. When I say stall, you'll see the temperature. Um, the ideal temperature for most meat is two hundred three degrees. And when you when you're racing toward this, you'll find the meat actually, you know. It, It'll start climbing, climbing and climbing. And then all of a sudden, it'll just like, it won't climb. And that, we, we call that the stall. And that's when meat, um, I guess the moisture in the meat, there's still enough moisture in the meat where it will not actually cook inside. So you'll have to keep cooking this meat until you actually, you know, you know evaporate enough moisture so the temperature can continue to go up. And... Um, there's all different theories on, on, on what you can do to get through the stall. Um, you know, for me, I just use the stall as, as, a, as a point of, of um, asking myself when I should wrap the meat. Because when you start wrapping it with tin foil or butcher paper, then you can actually get past the stall pretty easily. Um, but if you don't, you can actually, if you, if you actually uh, wrap it after you get out of the stall, you do, you know, things can get kind of tricky there. It may actually be because you actually just cook all the moisture out. Um, the, the brisket or the pork may be a little too, um, maybe a little too dry. So, uh, it's always like a, you know, that's where the art comes into play. But the turkey, it stalled around 140 degrees, which, uh, which was interesting because I read online that it doesn't really stall because, you know, turkeys are pretty lean and I thought this is pretty, a pretty small turkey, but it did stall. And, um, and, uh, but I, I kept pushing it until we heat hit 165 and then I just took it out and then we headed over to my aunt's house to, and then by that time I carved it um and uh it tasted pretty good like um actually and the skin was bite through it was really good um the side the, the side where I couldn't get over there was one wing that wasn't as bite through because I just didn't have enough butter on there but putting butter on top of the outside of the turkey, it was actually pretty good. It actually made that skin completely bite through, and uh, it wasn't crisp as I thought it would be because I, you know, I um, and that's my fault because uh, at one point I was watching um, I think football too much and I kind of let that temperature get down too low. It was at three three twenty five, and then then by the time I I just got caught on a, on a drive, not paying attention to the, my my temperature, and I think it went down to around two. 260 or 275 and then I had to start adding more wood in there so uh yeah if you really want it you know again these backyard smokers they're uh they're a lot harder to actually maintain heat than the big 500 gallon propane smokers where you can because it just the the metal on these um backyard smokers are very thin and the uh, heat will just escape it really 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 quick so you have to end up adding more wood usually to um to keep everything a lot more hot but uh, yeah, um, overall, I, I would probably give my barbecue turkey a B, maybe a B minus. Um, the brine, it was a little, it was a little pungent. It was a little, uh, it, it was strong. The, the 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 turkey tasted good. It was very juicy. But I thought 
it could uh, there was there's just too much stuff in there like i i could taste the, the rosemary it's very strong you know, i mean so really strong um I, I think maybe i put too much tangerine in there tangerine pills i could taste that too i had no idea how effective this brine would be um but it wasn't really salty and uh the next day it actually tasted really really good it, you know barbecue usually you it usually take tastes better the next day um uh you know it, that it's kind of like stew it just tastes better the next day so uh and um i had a drumstick just today actually and it was really really good um comparable well actually better than what the the drumsticks you find in disneyland so uh but overall i think i can do it better uh, the next time i will do it i will probably uh not use rosemary um and I would probably just go with injecting butter into the turkey breast and then and then um basting it with butter and putting maybe garlic you know garlic or onion powder on the outside and uh see what kind of flavor I can get with that because i I think um while the brine was really good, it didn't like uh it, it masked the whole flavor of the turkey i I, I tasted the brine more than I could taste the turkey so uh so uh, it's still a work in progress. It's one of the, you know, ch- cooking chicken and turkey. Uh, that's not one of the things I do good. Um, I do pulled pork really good. I do brisket really good. I do short ribs really, really good. Um, but uh, the turkey, still working on it. Still working on it. So, well, that's it for the barbecue. Uh, we'll talk more about barbecue in the upcoming episodes about, you know, exactly uh, which you know, again, you know, I think I want to talk about fire management. I think that's very, very important when you're starting to get into this. You know, barbecue is one of those things. And if you don't barbecue right now, trust me, if you try it, you, if you're a man, you are going to get addicted to barbecuing, like real barbecue. So when you say barbecue, and when I say barbecue, now, now this is a difference. There's a difference between barbecue and grilling. So I thought barbecue was, you know, anytime you cook with fire. But apparently, barbecue is specific. Um, barbecue is when you cook in an in a offset smoker. That means you have a firebox on the side where you build the heat. And then your grill, you cook with indirect heat. And that's what is considered barbecuing. So you'll, it's kind of like an oven, and you cook with smoke, and you cook with heat. So uh, that, is what is, that is the definition of barbecuing in the world. Now... Grilling, if you just want to cook a steak over fire, over coals, over, over there, and you put a grill right over that, that is called grilling. So you have barbecue and then grilling. So if you want to grill a steak, it's different than barbecuing a steak. If you want to barbecue a steak, you, you would put it in the offset and you cook with indirect heat. And grilling, you would cook with direct heat and a, actual, a literal grill over the top of it. So there is a difference. I did not know that. I did not know that. I just found that out maybe about last year. So uh, that's something new. Okay, so that's all for this segment. I'm going to go get a soda. I'll be right back. And then we are going to talk about movies. We're going to talk about Christmas movies that I watched on Netflix. And I'll give you my opinion. All right, I'll talk to you later. Okay, the final segment, movies. 
got my Diet Pepsi here in my hand. You know, uh, you know, uh, you know these Diet Pepsis. They say they they make you gain weight even though they're zero calories. Didn't really believe that, but then um, apparently I'm uh, I read somewhere, and I think I was watching Doctor No as well, is that there's carbonation in there, and apparently it uh, expands your stomach when you actually drink this. So it would uh, if you drink it while you're eating, it will uh, you can eat actually you can eat more. And um, I've seen a handful of competitor, I guess, competitive, uh, I guess, food eaters, you know, those competitive food people, and they have Diet Pepsi on there on the table, and so they can expand their stomach so they can eat more. So, uh, and take that into mind. I mean, I love diet soda. I don't drink the regular soda because it does, the regular soda, you know, juice or anything, those calories are, they're very, very hard to burn off. Um, but when you drink diet soda, there's zero calories. But I think if you eat, you know, you have Diet Pepsi with your lunch, you may be, uh, you know, eating too much food. But just my opinion there. Not a health segment, it's a movie segment, right? But hold on a second, I take a sip of the soda. All right. So, um, Netflix, Netflix, Netflix. Not a big fan of Netflix, to be honest. Um, well, their their original programming. Um, usually, I, I just. I think it just sucks. You know, I have no idea why it should suck because their budgets are really big. But, um, you know, when Will Smith made a movie on there, that kind of missed the mark. Uh, um, who was that Thor actor? Uh, Chris Hemsworth, he made a movie on there. That wasn't that great. I think there was a few great action scenes in there. I watched the the, the, Marvel, the Marvel series. Uh, the Daredevil was pretty good, and then it got kind of weak. Um you know, Luke Cage was eh, so-so. Iron Fist were just horrible. Um, and then Jessica Jones, that that just... Oh, talk about talk about stupid. Um, you know, I couldn't make it through the, the most of the first season. And then the second season, I, I didn't even try. So uh, I'm, I'm glad Marvel got themselves off of Netflix, actually. So uh, um, they don't really have a good track record of creating good content. I think they have a good track record of green lighting bad content. Um, but I've, uh, I watched two Christmas movies and I thought they're okay. Actually, I thought they're really good. Um, one of them, hold on a second. I want to get this right before I give it. I'm going to go to it, go to my Netflix account while I'm talking to you. One of them is called Christmas. Hold on a second here. Hold on. I'm trying to actually find it right there. Christmas. Christmas. Um, hold on. Operation Christmas Drop. Operation Christmas Drop. That's what it is. So uh, that was really good. Um, and it's about, uh, based upon true events, which still happen, where there's an operation over, um, I think, the... The, is it the Micronesian Islands or somewhere, the Marshall Islands or somewhere around there where they actually drop um, Christmas gifts to these um, islands that are very secluded and need gifts. And they're donations from everywhere. So, uh, and it's a very, very, it's a heartwarming story. It's better than Hallmark. Now, Hallmark makes pretty good Christmas love stories, to be honest. They're, they're, they're happy. You don't, have, you, don't, you don't have to worry about someone dying in the end. Uh, the love stories are 
you know, a little cheesy, but um, they're actually pretty good. So Operation Christmas Drop, that was not bad, not bad, not bad at all. Um, I give that one um, as a rating, as an A, a solid A. So you should check that out, Operation Christmas Drop. You won't be disappointed at all. Um, the other one that I really liked is actually uh, the Christmas Chronicles um, 1. You know, Christmas Chronicles 1 was very, very well written. Um, that's uh, starring Kurt Russell. And man, Kurt Russell, he makes probably one of the best Santas I've ever seen. I mean, he can pull off that Santa really, really well. I'm not sure how much of that beard is real or his hair is real, but um, he looks good in there. And uh, that Santa costume is really fun, too. I mean, it looks really good. Um, so the Christmas Chronicles 1, uh, I give that an A. That's really good. Um, the Christmas Chronicles 2, um, that, that one wasn't as good as Christmas Chronicles 1. Uh, I would probably give it a B minus. Uh, it's a lot different. I'm not sure if it's different di a different director, but it seems more to be like a kids movie versus Christmas Chronicles one, where where the characters are dealing with abandonment issues, um, uh, you know, trust issues, um, trust trust trusting in themselves and abandonment of parents, and and then Santa Claus helping with that and giving those kids the ultimate. I guess, um, Christmas gift, which is closure and family. So, uh, that I think Chris, um, the Christmas Chronicles one is really great. If you didn't see it, you should. And I think that's one of the best Christmas movies on Netflix right now. Uh, Christmas Chronicles two is more like a, it seems more like a kid's movie at the North pole and they don't tackle very deep issues in there at all. Um, I'm not going to give away any spoilers there, but just don't expect that um, that level of intensity. The, the Christmas Chronicles one was very, it, it, was, it was very. There, there were tearjerker moments. There were, it, you know, the a lot of people I think could relate to the characters in there. Christmas Chronicles two, um, the antagonist was very comical. The bad elf, um, that guy who played who's that who's that fat kid who played. Um, the nemesis of Deadpool in, um, in Deadpool two, that's, he's actually in Christmas Chronicles two. So, uh, I don't know his name, but, um, but he's that fat kid. Uh, he lost a little weight in this one, though, just a little, maybe about 10 pounds, but, um, he plays a good bad guy, by the way. I, I really liked him as a bad guy. And, uh, yeah, th that's the only two movies that I've actually seen on Netflix recently that I kind of enjoyed. Um, so Christmas Chronicles 2, I would recommend. Um, what else am I watching on there? I'm just looking at my list here. Um, oh, I don't know. I can't tell. Some other people are using my Netflix account. I, I just put my password to all my friends and all that, and they're watching everything. Oh, my God. So, uh, But anyway, oh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Hmm. You know, my, my friend, who's a screenwriter, um, her friend actually actually produced that the cloudy with a chance of meatballs one and two so uh there's a story hole behind behind that but uh yeah like uh she said he's a very nice guy but um let's see here oh i'm watching a lot of scooby-doo by the way scooby-doo here here's the thing okay scooby-doo big scooby-doo fan um scooby-doo mystery incorporated um 
I give that an A. Like that series is amazing. The the characters in there, and they're they're only twenty minute episodes. But Fred, you know Daphne and Scooby, the the <laughs> whoever wrote the, that that series, and there's only two seasons. They they added a lot of character to these. I mean, for example, like Fred Jones, right? I mean, you think Fred is just a stupid person and all that, but in this one, he's raised by a father who isn't his father, who is the mayor, who Fred ends up finding out again that his that uh, he's actually a bad guy. He ends up putting him in jail, um, and then he his real parents end up coming back, and they're not trustworthy either. So he ends up living in a van down by the river. So, so it's like, uh, these are some really big issues they're, they're going through. I mean, Shaggy's parents put him in military school. This is not your regular Scooby-Doo. And then, you know, Scooby has a love interest who is, um, who, who is a dog, who, who uh, the dog is actually possessed by a spirit, a real spirit, and who talks, but is a, is a, um, what is it, a conduit for a dead spirit. So it's pretty, it, this is not your, you know, your, your usual thing. And I think you should check out Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated because uh, I think that's probably a lot better written than the Christmas Chronicles, to be honest. And then, and then um, it's a lot better written than Operation Christmas Drop. So that's probably my number one recommend right there. All right, so uh, that is it for our movie reviews right now. Um, I think later on I'll go into more about movie making and uh, the interesting stories that maybe I can share with you about how it is to actually put together um, a scene, um, maybe uh, the, the entire process for you. Um, in fact, I have a little story for you right now. Why don't we do that before I actually end, end this? Um, there's this uh, there's a song I've just been listening to lately. It's by Dan Hartman. I can dream about you. Unfortunately, I can't play it. So, uh, but it's a really catchy song in the '80s. And unfortunately, Dan Hartman he died of AIDS back in the I think the the late '90s or early early '90s. Um, but it was used in this uh, movie called Streets of Fire. And in Streets of Fire, um, Dan Hartman is white now, and he wrote this song. I can dream about you for, for the, the movie. Now, in this movie, but he had a contract in here that when the soundtrack would come out, that he would actually be, the, would be his voice that would be on the soundtrack, not the people who performed the music. So in this movie, which is, a, um, again, Streets of Fire, it's a musical, which I never saw, um, this this uh, fictional group performs "I Can Dream About You," and man, if you have to, do, you know, take a look at them perform, it is probably they're like a, uh, I guess, a, a fake Four Tops or fake, you know, Temptations. Their choreography on there it is spot on, and when I listen to the voice on there, I said that doesn't sound like Dan Hartman. It sounds really close, but it, it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like. There's an accent in there which I can which I can notice, right? So it, and it sounds better than Dan Hartman's version, just a little better. But Dan Hartman's version isn't bad. But so I, I had to do some research, and what happened was that the apparently the the original the people who were the black guys who were performing on stage, they actually were able to sing it pretty well. Uh, but then, 
for some reason, they changed out the singer. They, they, then they were lip singing to another guy, and I think his name is um, uh, Wilson Ford or something like that. And um, and then and then that was going to be you, Wilson Ford's. That was going to be the one that was going to re- be released on the soundtrack. And then all of a sudden, after production ends, you have Dan Hartman's voice is the one that's there. So so it's like a, it's um, it that's Hollywood for you, you know. There, you know, it's not just be about creative. It's like there's all these like weird, you know, you know, uh, I guess uh, things that go on, the legalities, the 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 egos that go on there, that, that fight there, that fight in there. So, uh, and apparently Rick Moranis was actually in this movie too. And uh, according to the director, um, he was kind of a butthead to the director. So, so, so it's like uh, I didn't know he was a butthead, but maybe he is, maybe he's not. I have no idea. I never never, never met the guy, but uh, yeah, that's just uh, that's just Hollywood for you, and that's why uh, I never want to work there at all, never again. So they 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 just kind of screw things up like that. You have a great story, or you do something like that, and they change the story, and they they move everything all around there. And uh, a lot of my friends who are screenwriters, you know, you know, and uh, everyone has the same opinion. No to Hollywood, and that's why everything now, um, Hollywood hardly they hardly produce movies. It's all independent movies now. So, uh, you know, um, ever since Tom Cruise went independent, all these actors said, "Hey, we're gonna make our own movies." So uh, now movies are you know independent, and and um, studios are just sound stages and they don't have any distribution power anymore i don't think so because um everything is uh the movie theaters are going out of business so in this post-covid era you know things are you know things would just be streamed and um you know studios would just end up becoming rental houses which they basically are right now so anyway that is it for finally for the movie segment and that's that's the final segment um Again, I'll be posting all of uh, my podcast on on scriptwritersteve.com. Um, you can find me, though. Let me find... What is my thing here? Hold on a second here. I do have a place where you can find me. Um, let's see here. Um, gotta, I will find it. What is my, what is my thing? So uh, you can find me on anchor.fm slash barbecue two movies. So that's uh, anchor.fm slash barbecue. Hold on. Anchor.fm slash BBQ, then the number two and movies. So anchor.fm slash BBQ, two movies. And uh, yeah, you'll find me on there and I'm on Spotify. I should be on Google, Google podcast and everything else. Um, this is only my sixth episode. So hopefully I'll get better at this and uh get more followers and maybe uh make more money i'm almost to 50 cents that's pretty cool 50 cents i'm almost like 50 cents all right guys talk to you later